Uh, man, it's really good to be here, and we are starting to preach through the book of Genesis. Um, what the church celebrated our third birthday last week, and so we, we generally preach through books of the Bible, verse by verse. Uh, we, we've gone through Daniel, Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians. We went through John, spent over a year going through John, and we are going to be in Genesis for quite some time. And my prayer and hope has been that this would actually be a deeply informative and forming book for us, for all, all God's calls to uh, just how formative this book may be in the life of the church. I'm praying into, looking forward to, and uh, praying into. So we pray a lot here because, the, because even though we have guests here, and we are honored that you are here, and we love the opportunity to come around each other, truly the guest of honor is our God. This is his thing, and he invites us into, so, so we like to pray and to seek him because he tells us without him we could do nothing. And we want to do things. We don't want to play at church. We want to really have a genuine encounter with God and genuinely be a people that are walking with him in our community. And uh, so, so would we pray and just give this whole series to him and, and give our, our time to him? So, Lord, would you use this series, the book of Genesis, to make us your people such a time as this Whatever that means, you know, you know the future, you know every story more intimately than we even know our own stories. And Lord, would we not just go through Genesis, but would Genesis go through each one of us? Would your words become our thoughts? Would your ways become our ways? Jesus, in your name, we pray these things. Amen. So if you missed last week, we did kind of like a an introduction to the book of Genesis. And on our, our website, sacredmission.church, or on our, our podcast, um, we, we went through the life of Moses and, and looked at the setting of the book. And what really created the book of Genesis is God's people are slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and that has rewired their brains. It has reformed them. Truly, they were discipled into being slaves. And God raises up Moses, leads them out of Egypt, and that's the easy part. Even though you're like, wow, I've, I've seen the movie. <laughs> it looked like Charlton Heston did a lot of things in getting people out of Egypt, you know. So it was detailed. There were a lot of things necessary to get people out of Egypt. But what took longer and was possibly a greater work was getting Egypt out of the people. Having the people be reformed. And that took a long time, and you could make the case we are still walking that out. And so, so getting people out of Egypt with all of the brokenness, politics, just our view of life, our view of humanity, all of that that ancient Egypt formed, all of that that our culture forms in us needed to be reformed in each person, and this is the book of Genesis. Start with this book. Start here in being reformed and getting Egypt out of you. And so we're going to go through chapter one of Genesis faster than it deserves. We're going to go through it um, at, at a little bit of a fast speed this morning, but then we're going to stop and we're going to consider the implications of what we've just seen. So verse one, 
chapter one of Genesis, and those uh, scripture journal things, you might say like, well, hey, I have my own Bible, I brought my own Bible. You might want one of those just to circle, underline, write things down, things I say, things that I don't say that just God brings to you as we're going through the book of Genesis. And man, just to know like, hey, in here is what the Lord did as I was going through. And then feel free to grab a handful of them and be like, hey, I'm going to take some coworkers through this book uh, and kind of do that on parallel tracks uh, as we go through it as a church. Verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So we see just in this first day, God creates all that is. There is a God. There isn't like a thousand gods. There's a God in the beginning. And he creates the heavens and the earth, and they're formless. So I think just a, a very clear way to think of day one is he makes the canvas, He's going to start doing painting on the canvas, so to speak. But day one, he creates the canvas. And um, the canvas is set, and he speaks light into existence. Uh, Those who respond to God were told later in uh, letters to the Corinthian church and elsewhere that when you respond to God, and we're, we're celebrating baptism of people who've responded to God, that wording that's used is they've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And I love here that he makes light on the first day. He separates light from darkness, and he says, this is good. This, the first day of creation. Now, verse 6. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And in the second day of creation, I think the clearest, a clear way to speak of it once again, I mean, we could do a whole series on each day and all the implications and all of the things that are being created. I had a buddy once that his brother had a PhD in science, and my buddy had done a lot of schooling, and he said, we, I was like, hey, what'd you guys do over the weekend? And he was like, well, one highlight of our weekend, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna expect anything with these two, like, nerds in this room, you know, and he's like, we went through the days of creation, and we chronicled every PhD you could get just to study things happening inside that day, You know, like, what's the terminal degree you could get in horticulture? What's the terminal degree you could get in mathematics to explain this, you know? And he's like, we had the time of our life. And I was like, give me the cliff notes. I just, I'm interested in just three sentences of what your findings were, you know? But with day two, um, to think of the atmosphere, like he, the atmosphere is being formed of of earth. And uh, one of the interesting sides is a lot of the gods, so to speak, 
of the nations that were going against God's people, a lot of the pagan gods they believed like ruled in the atmosphere and dwelt in the atmosphere, like high up between the stars and stuff uh, on this side. So in the, and so even there's a facet of, of God's communication here to just very clearly, it's clear to being like, okay, like you are making this crystal clear of what you are doing here and what he's doing in day two is all levels of the atmosphere are speaking, spoken into existence by him on day two. We then have day three, starting in verse nine. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, verse 11, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God, God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So here in day three, he creates the land masses of earth. He gives the seas their shorelines. I, I love thinking about that. Like he gives the seas their shorelines, and he saw that it was good. God himself took in the goodness of his creation. Then he spoke the vegetation of the earth into existence. Trees fruit-bearing trees, seeds, plants, all vegetation he designs. So being formed as a people, we truly like should never look at vegetation the same way, right? Like to, I mean, I spent a lot of time up close and personal before it rained yesterday with an oak tree uh, as I had a chainsaw in my hands and one that had fallen down in derecho and trying to get it ready to burn this winter and just being like, man, this is, he, he spoke this into existence and that impacts how I interact with it and how I interact with everything on day three of creation that was fashioned out of the mind and heart of God spoken into existence, and delighted in by him. Then day four, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the, night or the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the, the two great lights the greater light to rule the day, the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God said that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So what was fascinating is trees on earth exists before the sun or the moon. Here in day four, God makes the sun, the moon, and then 
People have marveled at verse 16 since it was written. That in three words, at the end of verse 16, he says, and the stars. <laughs> the billions of stars, galaxy after galaxy, each unique, full of such incredible detail. Distances that are too far away to even comprehend. You know, if you try to comp, I actually had a buddy, um, him and I were out with Kevin, we, we grew up together and stuff. Um, I remember one time we were outside and, and my buddy looked up at the stars and he was about ready to say, this is so amazing. And he actually, it sounds kind of crass, but he got so overwhelmed by the expanse of the star, in mid-sentence he threw up. He goes, this is so, you know, we were like, what is going on? Kevin's like, I don't remember that. I'll, we'll go back. I'll share it yet. So, but, you know, I just remember it was right after we were in high school, and it was like he was just so overwhelmed by the expanse uh, of it that um, and all of that, everything the Hubble telescope can see, all of that gets three words in Genesis chapter 1. Oh, and the stars. And you can say, well, they didn't, you know, it was maybe there was a lot of light pollution in Egypt and they, you know, Moses didn't know too much about it. This is a guy, mind you, that for 80 years, 40 years as a shepherd out in the desert, and then I've been in, in, in some of these areas and there is no, I mean, it is truly like being in rural Iowa. I mean, my, my wife twice has had times in her life where um, once here uh, where she woke up and thought she was blind. And like really, like truly was starting to panic thinking she was blind because of how dark it was in our house, you know. And she just grew up in the city where it was never that dark ever. You know, you couldn't manufacture that. And so here, these people, Moses, had decades of dark, full sky, like Montana-type skies, you know. And, and so for him, in three words, as God directed him to just say, and the stars, and we're spending some time on that because it's important to put this in perspective of how he even communicates to us his design. Then in day five, starting in verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the, wa the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So on day five, the ocean is filled with life. On day five, the sky is filled with life. It, and it's good as we're driving around and as the, the fall it starts getting colder and the geese and all those, um, just all of the, the passageway that we live in, you know, be like, man, these were all day fivers, you know, that, that were here and uh, that were spoken into existence. And it is good he gives a blessing to the ocean creatures and the, cre the creatures of the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. That's day five. Now day six, starting in verse 24. We as selfish people would say, the best for last. 
Um, day, day six, verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So the land of earth is now filled with life on day six. So many incredible animals. They're all made here at this time. It is good. Then God says, And what he says from here is the pinnacle of his creation. It it, it truly is. He's getting ready to give us the pinnacle of his creation. He spends three words on the stars. And what he starts in this next section, he will spend the rest of the Bible unpacking the implications of what he's about to do. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us Make man in our image. There's in Hebrew and stuff, there is like an, an us that's like a, like a king us. You know, like if you're, if you're the person in charge, you could be like, are we all here? And they're like, are, is the we just speaking of you because you're so powerful? You know, like th- that is a way that some people communicate of themselves. What, what, what is most considered is what is being said here is actually the plurality of God. We have one God who exists as three persons, in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each are fully God, each are not each other, and there's one God. Clearest way I could say it. And in even the first time that God even references any relationship with us, it's clear that there is a Godhead relationship inside the Trinity that is now creating relational people. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And, and the, the Trinity is, is clear throughout the Old Testament, but most people, kind of the way to remember it is it's concealed. It's there, but it's concealed in the Old Testament, and it is fully revealed in the New Testament. Now, the absolute only part of creation that is made in the image and the likeness of God is people. He says that of nothing else. He speaks that of nothing else. And this does not mean that we are as strong as God, as smart as God, as good as God, as divine as God. It it does not mean those things. But it does mean that we are more like God than anything else in his creation. If it's like, hey, compare us to you know, a donkey or a whale or a tree, you know, and he's like, well, the people are made in my image, most like me. He creates them 
and gives them dominion over the earth. So it's like, I'm making all this stuff. I'm making this world. I'm speaking worlds into existence. I'm speaking all of the animals, everything into existence. I'm making people in my image. And then it's like, here, this is yours. See his heart from, from get-go. You know, if I made all that, I'd be like, don't mess it up. You know? This is mine. I made this. And it's good, by the way. And, and it's amazing. And if you guys touch it, it won't be or whatever. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But in chapter 1, he, out of his loving kindness and out of his, the, the overflowing generosity of his heart and his clear statement is, I give dominion of this to them. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Don't miss this next section, and we will unpack this a lot in this series. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant. You know, in case you misunderstood what I said earlier about dominion, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Don't miss that both male and female are made in the image of God. So there are aspects of being a male that reflect the imago Dei. That's a phrase that you need to know. It's just Latin for image of God. And so if someone says, wow, the, uh, you know, I, I, it just mentions the imago Dei. They're just simply talking about this concept of being made in the image of God. So there are aspects of being male that reflect the imago Dei, the image of God. There are aspects of being female that reflect the image of God in a way that being male doesn't. So fascinating, and we will unpack this a lot over this series. And, and then he says, be fruitful, multiply. You are to steward the earth. It is good. It is very good the sixth day. And there's so much in this first chapter we will spend a lifetime actually unpacking this first chapter of getting Egypt out of us. But for the sake of today, uh, I just want to look at four things. So we kind of went through, create, went through this a little on the fast side so that we could really kind of slow it down and make sure we have seen at least four things as seeing creation. So the first thing is in creation, see the nature of God. So think of it this way. Imagine if all of creation is right here happening. Okay, I've got a front row seat of creation, and I've got my back towards whatever is doing what I'm seeing. I've got like those like earmuffs you wear when you're shooting or something that just cancels out all the noise, and so I can't hear anything, all I can do is watch. I don't know what the catalyst is doing all this stuff. I'm just watching. And I see all six days of creation. 
I think every one of us in here, if we are like, Lord, allow me to see this as we see it in your word, we would all have tears running down our face. We would, even if you're the most hardened person in the room. You would, you would, your breath would be taken away from you many times. You'd have tears running down your eyes as you're taking in creation. And then you get permission to turn around for the first time and see what the catalyst of all this has been. And you turn around just being like, what caused all this? And you see a person standing there. And John 1 tells us it's Jesus was the one that actually created everything, the second person of the Trinity, that he is the one that formed all that is. And you turn around and you realize this came from him? He did all of this? Let me tell you, none of us would turn back around for quite a while. We wouldn't. You don't go through six days of creation and be like, now, scientifically speaking, you know, let's go through this and what's happening here? Like, you don't care about that right now. And that's, it's, it's good. And there, there's so many reasons. It's so good to dive into all six days of creation. But if you are unmoved when you turn around and see who did all of that and, and considering what does it, what nature of a person can speak worlds into existence from nothing, you, you realize, like, the point of chapter one is this. <laughs> this is the point of chapter one. It's informative to know how creation happened. But if you are not, oh my gosh, you actually haven't seen creation yet. If your focus after chapter one is focusing on creation, you got to look at chapter one again until your focus is on the creator. Because no matter who the Israelites encounter, remember, one of the main gods of Egypt was the sun god. <laughs> and it's like these slaves who have been just pummeled for generations. And it's like, hey, the sun god said you shouldn't do that. And you're like, the, the who? The who god? Oh, that day of creation? Uh, I'm, I don't care. I'm listening to whatever he has to say. A second thing not to miss, make sure we see, is in creation, see the power of his words. See him, but then get a little closer and be like, you know, you're speaking all of this? You're just, you're, you're speaking you're not like, got all these raw materials, you got like the, the, you know, you're getting ready to do all this work, you know, you're, you, you, he doesn't have this like shop that he's got to like fashion all this stuff. He is speaking worlds into existence. <laughs> and if we don't see the power of his words, this is going to be suggestions these are going to be just uh, high fluting ideas or, or like, well, that's a, that's a way you could see it. But I have other ways I could see it. it the, the one who, when he speaks, forms, you know, not just gets the animals to obey him, but like actually creates them. The, when he speaks, the power of that, uh, then recognizing three words to the stars and all of this is him speaking to us. 
And the power of his words at creation are just as powerful today. So no matter what the Israelites heard, no matter if Ramses or whoever is like, who do you think you are? You know, we're, we're bigger and stronger. You know, Goliath is like, ha, 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 I am so much more powerful than you. And David's like, I don't look to me for power. I'm not looking in the mirror. I'm hearing his voice and following the power of his words, and nobody can stand against that. And that, that's been my, some of you know, some of you don't know, my wife has been in this um, just over a year of just massive chronic pain. She's in Fayetteville, Arkansas. She's been there for six weeks getting treatment, and um, she's got about seven weeks left. We're, we're praying. She had six hours yesterday where she didn't get to, like, massive pain, which was, which was a huge win, even though it came back. But it was like, hey, that six hours was amazing, you know. And my prayers this week have just been, God, would you just speak? Would you speak? Whatever you say, nothing will resist. And I'm looking to you, would you speak here? And what you say goes. And would, would the power of your words flood our community in the same way that they flooded the earth uh, during those six days? Third, in creation, see the Imago Day. See the Imago Day. And there's a lot of other things we could see before verse 26, but every single person in this room, every single person that we hate, every single person that we get in an argument with, every single person we look down upon, every single person who looks down upon us, just every person is made in the image of God. You are truly made in the image of God. Every human has an, it's not an overstatement to say, every person has an infinite level of dignity. Every person has an infinite amount of worth, of value. Every person, one way we see this is every person has a birth date. We celebrate those. And truly speaking, no human being has an end date. So there are dates in, in the cemetery of when someone died, but we are clearly told that once you are born, once you exist, once you are brought into existence, you never stop. So after this, you are either more alive than you've ever been, or this is the closest to heaven you will ever get which I assure you, you want to get closer. And there are so many views of reality. So I have a really close friend who's uh, ministering to in uh, India, where, where there's just a lot of influence from Eastern religions. And a lot of the views of Eastern religions is that, that you exist forever, but at each, at the, when you die, you're reborn in, as a different person, you have an Atman, you have like an a, a existence that's like, hey, this is the same person, but now they're this person, this person. So every life cycle is a new form of who you are. And one thing that they believe is in karma, which is like, what you get is what you deserve. So if you see someone begging by the side of the road, you don't give them money. 
because they're reaping what they've sown in previous lives, pre- previous you know life cycles, and and so you know he said like a big part of their ministry is just letting people know that actually like they are known by God and they are made in God's image and they have an amazing amount of worth and dignity, and um, and and I this is just there's so many implications of us making sure we're seeing just in this room, not let alone the implications outside this room, of what it means for God to make it very clear, everyone is made in my image, after my likeness. And for us, it's like, no matter what I hear, I am valuable. Now, that might sound like, oh, you should write a New York Times bestseller list about how valuable. Like, you could take that to an unhealthy place, but I think more often than not, I don't encounter people that are like, I am so amazing because I've like convinced myself using just good self-esteem tactics that I'm the best. You know, like that's garbage. Um, and we're going to see how we get to seeing that that's garbage. But more often than not, what I see is people that are like, hey, I'm a loser. I'm, a, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. My life proves I'm worthless, and I just, I'm worthless. I grew up with people that told me that, or people are telling me this over there and over here. And to be a slave for 400 years, the Egyptians weren't like trying to like stoke the self-esteem of the people who were building the pyramids and stuff like that, right? They had become accustomed of thinking themselves as a little bit above nothing. You know, the Egyptians' pets are here and they're here. You know, they're worthless. They're not even considered human. And they're very much human. So, so in creation, see the Imago Dei. And then last, the last one we'll look at is in creation, see stewardship. Um, this might seem kind of weird, but uh, I've been reading a, several books around this series and around ideas and just trying to get a, a picture of our culture and how we are interacting with concepts in Genesis maybe in ways that we might not even see. And one guy brought up the idea of bottled water. And he's trying to make a case that we've lost even the idea of being stewards of creation. And he said, you know, an interesting thing about bottled water is there became a time when municipalities and people in municipalities started distrusting the purity of the water of the community. So what happened is people were like, I'm just going to drink bottled water. <laughs> and, and I'm just always going to have water with me and stuff. And um, instead of actually helping be part of ensuring clean water in your community... You know, so it, to be like, you know what? We need to have clean water. So let's be able to look at our water pl- supply and say, it is good. Our water supply is good. Instead, we'll be like, oh, I'll just buy some water. I'm not going to mess with it. I probably can't make any change anyway. And then this person then went to how in public restrooms, the water is automatic. You just push it or just wave your hands and don't worry about turning it off. We'll turn it off for you, right? And one thing that he says, that came out of a place of people would turn on the water and walk out. 
and the water would be running all the time, you know? And like, we actually had to put in every public restroom automatic water so that people were not held responsible to actually turn off the water. It's, it's a silly example, right? It's a silly example. But what this person was sharing is when you actually turn on the water, get your own water that's clean, drink it, turn off the water, like you're actually a steward of creation. You're saying, I'm good, I'll turn it off, this is good. You know, you're, and not, I'm not slamming anybody that walked in with bottled water, by the way, you know, but I, I just found it interesting that, and it's, it's such a silly example. But what God is forming in the Israelites is, I've made this. I spoke this into existence. It is yours to steward. Steward it well. And they might be like, we have to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Like, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> like, you're going to actually have us now, like, lead in creating good following the, the Mago Day and actually making good where there isn't good, seeing life where there isn't life, following him as he is speaking into existence what isn't so that, so that we can say, this is good, this is good. And what he calls us into to both see how valuable we are and the valuable role that he has placed us so that we can look at our community and say, I want to be able to say this is good, and I am going to do something about it. I am going to step into this and actually embrace what he says and go for it, okay? Now, we're going to unpack a lot of this over the weeks to come of how, how he keeps leading us down this road, but one of the things that I think is beautiful is that the people who are being baptized today, what they've done is they have seen the nature of God. They've seen who they are in light of who he is. They've seen who they are in light of what he says. They've embraced the power of his words to say, whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. And they've said, I do. I believe. I want to walk in that. And even them stepping into our community, even them stepping into a church, even them saying, I, I, I want to follow Jesus and what he says to me about baptism, that we can say, this is good, <laughs> that it is good, and we get to be a part of observing what is, what is good. And what I would say to us, and whatever God has said to us through this first chapter, is let's follow their lead. No matter how old they are, what they are doing in responding to his powerful words is, is an invitation to all of us to respond to his powerful words, an invitation for all of us to follow him. And so one of the ways that we follow him is through communion. So we will go outside after the service and, and uh, really celebrate baptism. We're celebrating communion right now, and this is Jesus' meal for us. It's his plan for us. It's his design for us. And as we take the bread, which represents his body that was given for us, as we take the wine or juice, obey your conscience there, he says that you are communing with me. Those are words that he spoke to us. You are communing with me. The warning, there are some warnings in Scripture not to come too quickly to the table. 
pause, listen to me. Like Jesus is wanting us to listen to him, to let him speak to us, speak things into existence that maybe don't exist in us right now. And we want to pause and hear, and then we'll come boldly to the table. Uh, we'll have two people that are serving you. Just hold your hands out. They'll put the bread in your hands. Uh, take wine or juice, and then remain standing, and we'll take it together as family. Yeah. If you would say, man, I don't know where I'm at with Jesus, what I would encourage you to do is to spend the time focusing on that. If it's maybe just to pray and be like, hey, haven't been in this room for a while, haven't been in church for a while, but like, if this is real, would you let me know? If you are real, would you let me know? If, uh, if you want me to give my life to you, which he does, like, oops, sorry, would, would you respond to him? So instead of just coming to communion, would you come to Jesus? And I would love, I'll be standing over here. I'd love to talk to you more about that or maybe someone you came with or somebody that you're sitting close to. But, uh, but let's come. We'll take the elements. Uh, then I'll lead us from there. Let's respond to him.